Always nice to watch a movie before the sermon. Hey, welcome to West Bowls this morning. Thank you for coming. Um, If it is your first time here, I saw some new faces this morning. Thank you for coming. My name is Nathan, and um, we just hope that you will experience what, what really God has been breathing into us, and I think showing us who we have always been here, that this would be a place where you can connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. And we hope that you'll do all three of those, but at least one of those this morning. And so as we dive in, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. In your word, you say that it, when you send it out, it does not return void. And so I pray this morning that as you send your word out, uh, as we hear your word, as we look at your word, that you would, you would do something with it in our hearts and, and bring the life you have. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if I were to ask you to get in your brain, this isn't last week where I asked you to get the most annoying person in your life in your brain, all right? I want you to think through, as you think about all the different places in your life, I want you to think through that place where you just see incredible things happen, or at one point you saw some incredible things happen. For many in here, you would say, well, that's where I experience God, that place. That's where I see God working in my life. Or maybe it's just an association with a place, the people in that place. You have it? I imagine maybe it's a getaway place. Maybe it's a a destination where you just get inspired. Maybe it's a time of day where you just get a break. It could be a number of different places. But when you look through, when you look through God's word, and when you look at what Jesus has to say about where you see the work of God taking place in the kingdom, as we've been talking through this series, the kingdom of heaven, you know where he says it is? He, a a number of different times, references a field. He says, no, it's a field. And that got me thinking, as I, as I was thinking about that, it got me thinking about the field back here, out to the west. And you've heard me talk about this field a few times before. But there have been some incredible memories out on that field. For instance, I can remember back when I was in high school and I was part of the youth group, and we would go play games on that field. And that field was actually the place that I, I dumped a lot of girlfriends out there. <laughs> Sorry, I keep saying that wrong. A lot of girlfriends dumped me when, when I was in high school out there. And then I thought about when I, when I helped out with the high school group, when I, it was just a couple years out of high school, and um, we would do this Easter egg hunt around Easter, and you could actually, like, we'd send all the kids out to find Easter eggs, and there would be youth bond money toward youth trips um, that we do here in the summer that people could get, and I was in charge of hiding them, and so here's what I would do from time to time, and don't act like you haven't thought of this before, Okay. We would put chocolate or jelly beans in these eggs, but I would chew them before I put them in the eggs. And, oh, don't judge me. You've thought of it. Some of you are taking notes right now. You're like, that's good. I mean, (laughs) and you could always tell when somebody found it because it was, oh, this is disgusting. And I was like, it's the kingdom of God right there. That's the kingdom of God. And then I thought later on, you know, I had this lawn business, and I had had a ton of residential customers, but when you have a bunch of residential customers, one of your overhead costs is just driving, and it's gas constantly. And so you're just driving around all the time, and your gas expense is really, really high. And so I thought it'd be cool to get some, some larger accounts, some commercial accounts, and I ended up, I ended up um, mowing the church field here. And, you know, it was... It was great for a while. How many of you mowing is therapy? 
Okay, not many. All right, so this should resonate with you today. Uh, it was therapeutic for a while, and, and the lawn looked really, really nice out there. And then weeds started to creep in. And, and there was some lawn disease that started to creep in. And then, like, actual predators showed up on the field. I remember I would go start early in the morning in the hot summer days, and I would come over the hill out there, and I remember seeing four or five coyotes out there from time to time. Luckily, I had a big engine, and they ran. I would never go out there without it. And so they showed up. And then a couple times I had the misfortune, or fortune, depending on how you look at it, of mowing up a snake. And that was disgusting. And other times, these other predators showed up. Um, bunnies. Bunnies showed up. And I know you think they're herbivores, but when you're trying to keep a lawn nice, they're predators. So I was like, that's fine. I can become a predator as well. And I did. And I still am. And so... But there was a moment where I noticed within me that the field lost its luster to me. And the field, even though it was tied to all these memories, I mean, I had been to weddings out there, we had done youth group out there, but there was a moment that the field lost its luster, and it became harder to take care of, and it became harder to find the motivation to pour into the field. And there came a point where I had to decide, am I going to continue to invest in this field, the time, the energy, the effort, or is it time to abandon the field? And I bring all that up, because every single day, as we talk about doing today a different way, I, I would assert that most of us aren't thinking about the field when we wake up in the morning. And I no longer mean the literal field out here, but I mean the fields of our lives. Because a field is just kind of meh. And a field doesn't look all that exciting. See, when I wake up in the morning, what am I thinking about? What are you thinking about? We're thinking about two places. We're thinking about the mountaintop. God, take me to the high places. And we're thinking about the valley. God, get me out of or keep me out of the low places. And as a result, we tend to walk through each day. It's not that we shouldn't have our eye on high places. It's not that you shouldn't want to get out of the low places. But oftentimes, the focus is so much on those places that we forget the field right in front of us. And it's easy to overlook the field. And Jesus says, well, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a field. There, there's stuff that God does in the field. So how? How do you and I get up? How do we walk through the rest of today? And how do we string together days that become weeks, that become months and years and decades? And how? How do you deal with the field in front of you? Because there's going to come a point where we have to intentionally make a decision. Am I going to invest in that field in front of me? And it's, it's many different things. It could be a job. It could be a marriage. It could be a situation. It could be all kinds of things. Am I going to invest in the field? Or am I going to abandon the field? And if the decision is to invest in the field, then how do you do that and do that well? Well, I know that we've been in Matthew um, throughout this series, but today I want to take you to a story in the Old Testament. It's one of God's messengers. is a prophet named Jeremiah. And I want to look at one story in the life of Jeremiah because it has everything to do with how we navigate the field. This is in Jeremiah chapter 32, if you have your Bibles. And here's the deal. Jerusalem is under siege. In other words, Jerusalem is about to be taken over 
by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah has been, he's been prophesying this and he's been saying this. And the king of Judah, Zedekiah, is just, he's had it. So what he does is he throws Jeremiah basically in jail, puts him in timeout. He wants to know why. Why do you continue to say these unfavorable things? And Jeremiah replies, and it has everything to do with what we just talked about. Chapter 32, verse 6, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth. Because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. My cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, just as the Lord had said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. Now, this looks like a foolish transaction for Jeremiah, doesn't it? Because if you know the land is going to be taken over, why would you pay to get land that someone is just going to come along and take from you. I mean, it just looked like a silly deal. Why would you do this? But they added a guilt trip to it. His cousin said, look, we've fallen on hard times, and so you're the closest relative. And so it is your, he says, duty and right, but I wonder if Jeremiah thought, no, it's my burden. It's my burden because I'm going to pay for the field, and somebody's going to take it. I'm going to buy the field and somebody's going to take it. See, this is not ideal timing. These are not ideal circumstances. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? I mean, as you think about the field in front of you, there's probably some, some pieces of it that you think, ah, it's not ideal. I mean, the timing could be better. The circumstances could be better. And there's something so important we have to know about the kind of opportunities God brings us. Because I think we picture it's the mountaintop experience served up on a silver platter. You know what this would say? No, God's opportunities often look like a field. It's a field. You want to know what the field was for me? This was, this was years, I was a young adult, and somebody here at the church said, hey, Nathan, um, have you ever thought about working with junior hires? And I just went, no, yuck, look at them, no. And it just, no offense, guys. So the, the, the reason, <laughs> the, we'll get there, okay, we'll get there. I ended up saying yes, eventually, but I said no for three years. And at the core of that for a long time was that junior high was the worst five years of my, I'm just kidding, I got through in two. All right, it was the worst two years of my life. I remember at the time it was seventh and eighth grade at Ken Carroll. And so I, I got done at Dutch Creek Elementary School, Dutch Creek Dolphins, all right. And so last day of sixth grade, my friend Jason, okay, we, we both left sixth grade with really high squeaky voices. And then Get to the end of the summer, it's two weeks before the start of seventh grade, and it's registration, and I see Jason walk in. And Jason is no longer like this high-voiced, squeaky-voiced kid. He is a man. Like, there's facial hair. I was, I was excited because just the week before, one hair showed up in my armpit. One hair. And I was like, yes, like, it's happening, okay? And, and Jason was like Harley-Davidson-looking, riding man. And I'm Nathan, right here. And he had like grown two feet, and I was, what, right here? This is how it's been since birth. Anyway, um, and it just, I just went, no, I don't want to work with junior hires. And, and I did. I said no 
for two more years after that. Three years of saying no to the field because it looked like a field. It didn't look all that great. And eventually I said yes, but it took a while. Well, Jeremiah's story went a little bit different. Let's look at the next verse, verse eight. Jeremiah said, I knew that this was the, Lord, the word of the Lord, so I bought the field. Can you believe that? I mean, the land is going to be conquered, and he bought the field from my cousin Hanamel. He said yes, and I want to step through the next few verses, because as we step through the next few verses, you know what we discover? That saying yes to the field that God puts in front of you, it has implications for us, and it means some things for us. But I believe it helps you wake up every single day and look at that field and go, oh my goodness, God, you are right here in it. Let's dive in. He said, I bought the field from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. Now, as we step through these, there were just some lessons from the literal field, from mowing the field out here, that I think so translate into the field in front of us in life. And one of the first first elements of that, did you see what he said there? He talked about it cost him. It cost him silver. See, when you buy the field, you're just going to pay a price. There is a price that is going to be paid. I remember mowing the field up here and I think through the number of hours in the week, and I just thought there were so many residential clients that had to be let go of in order to mow the field out here. And originally I thought, no, that's okay, because I'll make more money, and it it was less. It was less. Part of it was because I just, I had like a smaller mower, and it took longer. But there's some stuff that has to be given up. There is a price And I think about those days with junior high, and you can imagine the awkward social conversations my wife and I got into, because people were like, hey, what are you doing Friday night? A bunch of us are going to see a movie. We're like, hanging with junior hires, hanging out with junior hires this Friday night. And it was tough. That was really tough. The prospect of that was very, very difficult, until I said yes. And then something happens when you say yes, because God Well, he gives you something in the midst of it. There's this assurance that he'll pay that price for you. He'll sustain you in it. Jeremiah goes on. Verse 11, I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the, look at this phrase, terms and conditions. Terms and conditions. You know what that means? It means that there's an agreement. It means that both people in this term, in these terms, this agreement, in the conditions, have a part. And I thought back to the day that my mower broke down out here on the field, mowing the field one day. I had one of those giant, it was called a super surfer. Have you seen these? You've probably seen them out on the medians, and you probably secretly wish you could drive one around. You stand on it, and it's just the levers, and it takes the chore out of mowing. It's, it's incredible. So I had like this 52-inch wide one of these things, and I was mowing snakes and bunnies and coyotes, and it was, uh, not really. Anyway, snakes, okay. And one day it broke down, and I tried to get a hold of like Chatfield Time Rentals and Ace, and they were closed. So I had one other mower, and it was the same one you probably have at your house, 21 inches wide. Now think about this. That field, if you've seen it, 
21 inches at a time. But if you want to mow well, you got to overlap a little bit. So it's more like 19 inches at a time. And it took forever. Here, I brought, I brought a little example just to give you some perspective, okay? Legos. Lego guy. Okay, that's not even close, actually. That's like your front yard. Here, I brought a picture of what it was like. Take a look at this. Right there, okay? And that is an actual picture of me. That was my size at that time. I've, I've actually grown since then. But 21 inches at a time, and suddenly, my legs were doing a lot of work. And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of walking. And when we got into junior high ministry, I discovered it doesn't just go on its own. It doesn't just drive smoothly and quickly the way we think it will. There is a part that God says, you have a part. And I want you to put yourself into that. Jeremiah continues, shows us the third thing that yes means. <clears throat> And I gave this deed to Barak, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel. Look at these names, my goodness. And of the witnesses who had signed the deed and all of the Jews sitting in the courtyard. I mean, they just happened to be sitting around. All the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. The third thing that yes means is people. You're going to pay a price. You play a part. And it will always have something to do with people. And here's what we do, though. When we picture the people that God is going to use us to affect in that field, what do we often do? We picture crowds, and we, we picture tons and tons of people. And oftentimes, it's just a few. And it often starts with just a few. And they're a very opinionated few. I can't tell you how many times I enjoyed mowing the field, but people were like, hey, you missed a spot over there. Oh, and, and then over there, you missed a spot. And then there's something wrong with the lawn over here. And that's what it's like. I remember the first night that we said yes to working with junior high. It was actually out there on the field. Had a youth group. We had eight leaders show up. They all showed up early. We're ready to receive just the masses. Six kids. All the eighth graders have just moved up to the high school group. There's eight leaders and six kids. And I was like, wow, wow, God, like you really know what you're doing here. Like we already broke it. We already broke the youth group. There's going to be a price. You play a part. And God's going to bring people around, but probably not who you expect or how you expect. And finally, Jeremiah says this. This is what... The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, he's saying this as he, he's handing the deed over. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. So they will last a long time. It takes patience. It takes patience. It's so interesting to me, the book this falls in. Because three chapters before this, there's this verse that we love, and it's an incredible passage. Jeremiah 29. Many, many of you maybe have this as a life verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. But the context of the book of Jeremiah, and especially chapter 29 in these chapters, is over time. And oftentimes we want, well, I want that verse to happen by this Friday, God. 
And in chapter 29, he says, no, in the place that you're in captivity, I want you to settle. I want you to build houses. And I want you to, to grow gardens. And I want you to raise a family. See, his plans take place over time. And when you buy the field, there's a price. You play a part. There are people. And it takes patience. It just takes patience. I think about all the days mowing that field. And it was far longer than I ever wanted it to be. I mean, I wanted this big commercial client, a bigger property. But it would take six hours. And six hours is a long time under a hot, hot sun in one place. And I wanted to at least move around and get out and about. And so I was reminded of, we were, we were working with junior high, and, you know, we have these things that build our self-confidence and our esteem throughout our lives. So, I mean, I can go back to Dutch Creek Elementary, and I remember, like, winning the spelling bee, fifth and sixth grade. I still, I still am letting people know about that, all right? Fifth and sixth grade spelling bee champion. Then I got to high school at Columbine, because we don't talk about those junior high years. Anyway, I got to high school at Columbine, and I remember it was like, I took, I was a year ahead in Spanish and a year ahead in math, and I'm thinking, I'm awesome, and then got to like wrestle varsity and do varsity track, and I'm thinking, I'm awesome, and I came out of high school and did a, like a fire academy, ended up doing an accounting degree, and in the middle of all this, after I've gotten my accounting degree, we are one Friday night, I'm just thinking, I'm so smart, and I'm so prepared, and I'm so ready, God, and one night, I'm sitting on the curb out here, right in front of the, what's now the chapel, sitting on the curb at 10.30 at night with three junior hires who had forgotten to tell their parents when to pick them up. And everybody else was gone, and I was thinking, you morons, like, well, come on, call your parents. So we're sitting there waiting, and this kid pulls out a deck of cards, and I was like, okay, we can pass the time. He's like, you ever played Yu-Gi-Oh? And I was like, no, what is Yu-Gi-Oh? And it's like this character role-playing game with cards. And he hands me this, this stack of cards. And like, we just start laying down cards. I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, Charizard, attack, devastation move. And I was like, what are you doing? And then I went, what am I doing? Like, I have an accounting degree and I'm married. We had, at the time, Lainey, we had one child at home. I have a mortgage. And I'm sitting on a curb because I took junior hires to laser tag on a bus. And I thought, what am I doing with my life? And God, what are you doing with my life? It just didn't seem very God Almighty-ish at all. But that's most days in the field. That is most days in the field. And Jeremiah, what he says that God said next is something we all have to keep in mind because while our eyes are on the price we pay and the part we play and having patience and the people that he's bringing, Jeremiah points at this. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Jeremiah says, hey, guess what God told me? There is life beyond the captivity. And there is something God has beyond the captivity. It's there. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. But we miss it, don't we? We miss it because oftentimes when we look at the field in front of us, we see the price we pay 
and the problems we'll have, not the promises he gives. We focus on the price we've got to pay and the problems that we'll have, but not the promises that he gives. And this is where this passage, Jeremiah, becomes an example to all of us who are staring at a field today and every day when we wake up. <clears throat> he, he, he sits down to pray, and I'm not going to read this entire prayer to you, but I want to single out a few key phrases from it and just see if you notice something here. He begins to pray, and he says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. You show love to your people. He, a little further on, he says, Great are your purposes. Mighty are your deeds. You performed signs and wonders. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt. You gave them this land. Can you hear the emphasis there? Who's the emphasis? It's him. Who is the emphasis not? Us. And so while we sit here and we go, oh man, like there's a price I'm paying God and, and there's just this part that I don't know if I can do it and uh, I'm getting impatient. He says, no, it's, it's what I'm doing. Not what you're doing. He says, I'm going to do something in the field if you'll watch for it. And he finishes the prayer this way. See how the siege ramps, he's talking to God, see how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see, God. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. The conditions didn't change. Nothing around Jeremiah changed. The deal is still going through. He's still going to pay a price. People have already witnessed it. He's still going to play a part. He's going to have to be patient. You know what changed in the course of that prayer, though? And maybe it was already there for Jeremiah, but you know what changes for us in the course of that prayer? Us. He says, you can look at the field in front of you. And instead of trying to get past it or around it to the high places, you can look for something right in the middle of it. And God answers Jeremiah in verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for God? Prayer is the place where you discover that it's not. Prayer is the place where you're reminded that it's not. And prayer is the place where the field full of problems, of our problems, becomes full of his promises. Every single time. I've gotten to share this before, but it's just one of my favorite, favorite illustrations out of this field. Uh, years ago, it was actually shortly after uh, everything happened at Columbine in 1999, um, this church made a decision to um, plant a tree for the families of every single person that was killed at Columbine, including the two perpetrators. And so 15 trees got planted out on the field out west here. And that was met with resistance, and I understand. But one Sunday morning, just, just like this morning, we showed up here at church, and there were protesters right out front here. 
And they were angry and they were yelling and um, all the youth just decided to take them coffee. And <laughs> I don't think they knew what to do with that. But they proceeded to go down to the field and they cut down two of the trees. They cut down two of the trees. And for that, the rest of that year, there was a stump, two stumps in the field. And then the next year, there were two stumps in the field. And years and years went by. And now, take a look at what is out there. You've seen this picture or maybe you've been out there. Two big shade-giving bushes. And God says, is anything too hard for me? When you look at that field in front of you, is it too hard, he says, is it too hard for me to bring life into what looks dead? Is it too hard? And so with that story in mind, with that story in mind, I want you to listen to something that Jesus said to a crowd of people one day. Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in where? A field. A field. You know that field that just looked meh, doesn't look that great? He says there's a treasure in it. And it's hidden. It means you're not going to see it right away. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. You know what Jesus would say? Buy the field. With everything in me, buy the field. Make that intentional decision to invest in that field. So... A couple years into working with junior high, after saying yes, <clears throat> this girl showed up, and um, we'd have these activities, and so I said, hey, if, if you're going to bring friends, just let me know so I know how many spots we need for bowling. And this girl, um, she, she had texted me, and she said, hey, um, Nathan, I'm bringing, now you got to understand, when people said they were going to bring friends, usually it was like two or three, and then one would show up. So this girl texts me, and she said, uh, I'm bringing 47 friends. I was like, well, that's cute. So I'll plan on like five. So we get to that night. It's time for the activity. And all these kids, like, sorry, I've never seen these cars before, are getting out of their parents' cars. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I came with so-and-so, the girl's name. And then the next one, yeah, I'm, I'm coming because I got invited by so-and-so. 47 friends showed up that night. That night, 120 junior hires and eight leaders, we all went bowling. And we had to like pack out the bus, both vans, leaders' cars. Parents were upset because it was chaotic. I got, I got called into the pastor's office at the time the next week. We had a, a staff meeting about it. And I, I think I was in trouble. But I was like, if this is what this looks like, uh, like I'm in. That's, that's great. And I thought, wow. Wow, God. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, if you knew, as you think about the field in front of you, if you knew there was a treasure in it, would you buy the field? Because Jesus says, buy the field. And the prophet Jeremiah, he would say, buy the field. And as somebody who fought against it, said no to it, tried to avoid it, I stand here this morning and I plead with you, buy the field. You have a field the question when you wake up every single day, if you want to do today a different way, 
It's that intentional decision that says, today, I want to buy the field. And it might mean paying a price. And it might mean doing my part. And it might mean people that I didn't expect or how I expected. And it might mean patience. But there's a treasure in it. There's a treasure every time. If you knew that there was a treasure in that field, whether it's the marriage, it's the kids, it's the job, it's the life circumstance, it's the illness, it's whatever the field is, look for the treasure in it. And if you knew there was a treasure, what would you give? Let me show you one more thing Jesus said in there. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I imagine there are some in here this morning that it's just you're looking at the field day after day after day, and you've been walking with Jesus for years and years and years. Is it possible we're holding on to our hope for how it looks and our way of doing the field and our timing? Would you sell all of that? Would you offload all of that, as Jesus says? And there may be some in here that, you know, you've heard about this Jesus thing, but you wouldn't consider yourself a follower. And I know that. I've been there. Everybody in here has been there at some age. Would you consider selling all you have? Would you consider trusting him and saying, I'm no longer going to trust in myself, God. I'm going to trust in you and in your way of doing it. If you'd like to make that decision, we'll have some Stephen ministers around the room in the front, sides, back. And if you want to make that decision today, I'd invite you during this last closing worship song to find one of them and say, I want to buy the field. And so I'll invite up the worship team. Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. And we're reminded that what you are doing and what you invite us into is not necessarily something that is all going to be worked out according to our ways by this Friday or this month or maybe even this year. It may take place over years. It may take place over generations. But we know you haven't forgotten about the field. And we know that in the midst of the field, you have put a treasure. And that treasure is your kingdom. And so every single day as we wake up, Rather than trying to avoid the field, get around the field, run away from the field, Lord, help us look at the field and say, I'm going to buy the field. I pray that for each and every single person here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.